G'day there, awesome people. Welcome to uh, the latest episode of The Finnovator with me, Stuart Bell. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm a business coach. I work with advice professionals and I kind of help them build businesses that better serve themselves and their clients. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways that I do it. Uh, but today's podcast is uh, actually a session, an interview, if you like, with a program member I've been doing a lot of really good work with over the past uh, period of time. So this is fresh, up-to-date, latest stuff. Uh, the specialist specialist with uh, Scott Guilford and Carolyn Binden is a dive into uh, not just the last 12 months of the, of, of the growth story of WealthMed, but also their path from beginning to niching to where they are now. If you don't know WealthMed, they're one of those businesses in our industry that made a choice very early on that they wanted to work with a specialist market. And in this case, it's doctors. Now, if you've uh, heard me talk about niching before, you'll know uh, there are many, many benefits to niching. Uh, it is definitely uh, a way to get more traction with your business, to grow faster. There's a lot of rubbish that gets talked about niching, and I talk a little bit about this as well. Um, but what we're going to have a glimpse into here is how a business that has grown from three people, three founders, not that long ago, uh, to a team of uh, 21, I believe it's at right now, and the stuff that they're doing now, particularly in the marketing space, uh, is really a space that not many businesses move into. I'm talking about not just having a website that is a you know, good-looking, basically a digital brochure. They're starting to integrate these things with their email marketing, and obviously, over these past months, uh, they've stepped to the fore, recognizing that uh, doctors in particular are challenged for time, and some of the stuff they're doing is really impressive. We're going to dive into uh, all elements of it, but the, re the really thing I want to understand and I wanted to share with you in this podcast was the steps they took, the wrong routes they made, the, the leaps they made in getting traction with, with a specific marketing and being able to build a business around it. I think if you're in a growth phase or, or you're in one of those phases as a practice uh, where you're wondering how to get efficiency given everything that's gone on in, in, uh, in the industry legislation, there is so much gold you can get in here about how to kind of improve uh, all of those aspects by just focusing more and getting really, really good at doing certain things. So uh, I hope you enjoy this one. It was one of my favorites. I do love, love doing these uh, these sessions with uh, people who I've personally had the opportunity to work with over an extended period of time. And uh, yeah, once again, hope you take something from it uh, and enjoy uh, The Specialist Specialist with Scott Guilford and Carolyn Binden of WealthMap. Um, for those of us who've been in the industry for more than sort of yeah, 10 minutes, no doubt at some point you will have heard conversations about target markets or niching or niching as the Americans love to call it and how important it is. And it's interesting of all the areas of discussion around uh, practice management or, or business sort of coaching for advice businesses, one of the areas that I often get pushback from uh, people on is, is this idea of focusing on a target market. I get it. You know, particularly when you're growing, the truth is that as an advisor, you can probably help most people. Uh, after all, we all use money and we use it the same way. But still, if you're talking about you know, connecting with a market, being able to set your business up a certain way, certainly makes it easy to market to focus down on a certain area. Uh, and every now and again, you meet these businesses who, who have just grasped this concept and gone with it. And sure enough, time and time again, it shows that there is a, you know, huge benefits of doing so. So I guess today I wanted to sit down with Scott, uh, and Carolyn, who founded this business uh, along with Albert, uh, and talk a bit about that growth journey. Talk about you know what it's like or, or the lessons they've learned by specialising, but also what I love about 
uh, this conversation today is there's so many different areas we could go. We could talk about technology. Uh, we could talk about business acquisition. We could talk about, you know, building a great team. We could talk about some of the stuff they're doing in the digital space. We can talk about, you know, how do you work with a certain market when they are particularly time poor? Or, you know, here's the interesting thing, you know, uh, we know that highly educated people sometimes assume that because they know a lot about something, they also know a lot about money. There's a whole different bunch of areas we could take this in. Uh, but most of all, I'm just in, I'm really uh, looking forward to having this conversation and really talking about how they got from the beginning all the way to they are now and, and what's in store. And I think if you're a business that is either looking to grow or you've played with the target market thing or uh, you're looking at technology or you're growing a team, I think there's so much here uh, that we could talk about and get going. Let's get stuck into this uh, and have a bit of a chat with Carolyn and Scott. Guys, Carolyn. Hi. Hey, Scott, how are you guys going? Fantastic. <laughs> Good stuff. How's the weather where you are? Okay. Yeah, but, um, about 20 degrees, so not, not nine degrees or snowing. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit chilly here today. It's like I've got the heater on over there. I'm trying to keep warm. Taking her mind to school, she's like, I don't want to get out of the car. And I'm like, sweetheart, you're a quarter English. <laughs> I'm still cold. It's like a joke about a polar bear in there. Hey, guys, thank you so much for um, sort of taking the time here to have this conversation. I really mean that at the beginning. There's so many different areas we could talk about. Um, because I think the things that you're doing in this, in, in your space and within the business and that you're kind of at a, at a level where a lot of advice businesses maybe aim to get there, but I think it's really interesting, particularly in technology space. So there's quite a few different ways we could go. Um, and should we kick it off? Yeah, why not? Guys, for those who don't know you and haven't got any experience, can you just give them the, the quick overview of WealthMed, what you do, who you help? Uh, and, you know, your role in it. Okay. Well, ladies before gentlemen, maybe. <laughs> um, so I guess um, I've been advising since 1986 and I'd done a little bit of work um, in Brisbane. I'd started another uh, medical specialist firm down there. And um, as Scott and I were doing some work on a property, uh, some property solutions for some of the senior consultants in, in the Brisbane area, and we got talking and we're going, oh, you live on the Sunshine Coast. Oh, you do too. And we're going, like, what are you doing here? And so we kind of went, oh, we're just trying to find a way to live and work on the Sunshine Coast and have just as, you know, bigger business and all the opportunities that, you know, we could probably generate together, but on the coast primarily. So that was kind of the thing that sort of got us really talking, I guess, wasn't it, Scott? Yeah, that's right, absolutely. So... Interestingly, you guys um, specifically target medical professionals, obviously. Yeah. And, I mean, you, you are one of the bigger uh, specialist companies, certainly in, in the Sunshine Coast, if not Australia. How many, could you just give us a bit of an overview, how many clients do you currently service collectively? So medical-specific uh, clients, about 600. About 600. Yeah. And, Scott, is that just one particular part of the medical profession or is it there a wide range? I mean, is it doctors... Uh, generally, that's that's doctors. Um, we do we do a little bit of the non-medico, but we've really wanted to specialise just in the doctors. Okay. Uh, we have a we have a base. We're on the Sunshine Coast, obviously, so we've started from that base with yep. our local, local medicos here. Yeah. Lovely. And what's the size of the team for those who yeah want to get a sense of the scale? So 20. 20. 20. 
You say that with a world, funny. Like it's, it's, because it's, I know it's amazing. We had a conversation the other day how quickly it's grown, also slowly, but also quickly as well. And you've, you've got a really good team of people behind you. After I, I'm, I'm going to say that firstly because it's true, and secondly because a lot of them are probably watching. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the Batman Begins version of WealthNet, like the, you know, the starting, the origin story. Obviously, you have to start. There's three of you who founded it, right? Yeah. And how'd you all meet? Well, it was really working on mutual clients in Brisbane. Right. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. And the goal was to be able to work in the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, but also to, um, you know, I guess we probably had a real passion to show our clients that there's so much that they could do uh, with integrated solutions, like knowing, you know, what the what the picture could potentially be and being able to deliver all those elements. Yep. Um, so I guess we had a bit of a passion and we were a bit excited about the opportunity. Um, we knew that they were building, well, it was on the on the plans to build a new $4.5 billion hospital. Wow. Uh, and we, we actually, we took a punt that it would actually happen and it was on again and off again for about three years. Our first three years, it was something we didn't know would really happen and in the end it did, so. And I'm going to ask you, this is kind of a very direct question, like, Scott, what was it that drew you to, to work with Carolyn? What was it about her? I think um, when we first met, we were both working um, sort of in a bit of a, for a mutual um, sort of client with it in this sort of same game. And you can tell pretty quickly with someone that they're on the same page as you are. Yeah. And as we, as we got to know each other and got to um, experience a few more customers together and the way we're doing business, and then as we started to think, you know, we are both on the Sunshine Coast, why are we working up here? You know, very quickly, we're, we're sort of talking the same lingo and, and along the same lines, we've got the same values mm. and the respect for each other. And it, it, it became pretty obvious pretty early on, really, that, hey, what, let's do this together. Yeah. How about you, Carolyn? What, 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 was, uh, what appealed to you about working with Scott? Well, I think, Scott, we have... Um and I think being on the same page, is, is, that's a really big deal. And yeah. I had a, a few sort of business partnerships that I just, we, we were not on the same page and I was I was really struggling. I'd had, you know, a few over, over the years leading up to it. So it was really refreshing to meet someone who, you know, just literally, you know, we do have differences on certain things from time to time, but they're quite rare. And, you know, I think... We just got this real, this really uh, sort of deep care and, and passion about what we're doing for our for our clients, and uh, I think, and we different skill sets, and I think yeah, I could see that there were lots of things that Scott could bring to to the work that I was doing with the clients that I really I really didn't have those skills, and I've learned a lot from Scott and the way that he does things over the years as well. It's interesting because. Um... I don't know what your experience has been, but I found that one of the biggest destroyers of business valuation of all of them is partnership dispute. When people can't get on, they can't get on the same page. And I think most people have been through that at some level. What I mean, this obviously isn't the case. You guys seem to work together incredibly well. So just touching on that, what do you think is the, I mean, other than finding the right person in the first place, what's the key, particularly when you're dealing with people who are strong-minded and have a clear vision of what they want? What's the key to keeping it together? I think right from the beginning, we had a pretty clear plan of what we wanted the business to look like. You know, we, we knew that straight away we were going to specialise in the doctors and we had um, 
all these sort of products and services that we're going to offer and and a business plan straight up from the beginning so i think having having that plan together and working it out together including having a little bit of the end in mind and, and what if things go wrong yeah and then then it's pretty easy to go along the lines you know you can just go well hey this is what we this is what we were planning so let's stick to that or if there's other opportunities that come up well hey let's let's discuss those and move on and you know go down that track right. so it's, it's not one of us trying to be the boss it's not you know it's not one of us that have got one idea and the other's got a different idea I like that. very much aligned and and we we and we still regularly do it on a monthly basis we get together with management meetings and and go through what where we're going how we're doing it what's working what's not and, yeah. and that keeps it close you know I love it. Carolyn, would you add anything to that? Yeah, look, I, it's interesting. There's a kind of bit of magic in the middle with everything we do. So I know in some firms people need to have this really structured, you do this and I do that and, you know, there's a list of things. We're not like that. We've always been able to, I don't know, we just fill in the gaps for each other. Um, and even simple little things like I don't know how many times we've done it. I've I've run Scott and say, Hey Scott, did you book those flights for that? He goes, Yeah, yeah, I've done it. And then the next time he'll go, Did you get the accommodation? I go, Yeah, yeah, I've done it. You know, so we kind of it's we do, we have lots of times where and it's not even little things, it can be really big things. So we just chip in and we do it. Um yeah. say, Look, I'll 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 take that on, I'll get on with that and and if I need help, I'll say to Scott, Scott, can you do that? And you know, so we kind of there's not rigid, um, and I think it's part of the reason why our partnership is 10 years uh, yeah. on the 10th of November uh, this year, but the practice opened on the 9th of January um, 2011. So I think there's a little bit of, you know, accepting and believing in each other and also always assuming the best, always knowing that we've got each other's back and it doesn't matter how hard it's going to get, we're, we're going to be on each other's teams. Love it. Love it. That's really useful and thank you for that because I think that's one thing that you can start off on the right track with somebody. The number of times I've seen people who think they're on the right track and two years later that it just it blows up and it's not a nice thing. And to be honest, I've, I've been involved in a lot of mediation and the problem is it rarely works. Once, once it's gone, it's gone. Um, let's talk about the niching thing. So I'm really interested in how you decided to go down this route. You know, what was it the moment that you said, okay, we're going to focus on that market? And was it a, you know, an instant sort of pivot, turn that direction, or was it something that evolved? Well, I, I think one of my skill sets, and I think it's not something that you just have i think it takes a long time to develop one of my skill sets is i'm i think i'm i'm really good at grasping how to, to make all the little moves and how to bring that up to where a client can see i can inspire and motivate them to go forward so yeah. and i can help them to just you know take that next step um and i think um working with medical practitioners i had the opportunity in brisbane to do that uh, and i just realized there was so much that my skill set could bring for the clients to the table but i also recognized that i didn't have all the things that i needed to make that really really work and of course scott 
and all that he he has and his skills and his business experience filled in all those gaps. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it was a I could see that we we had between the two of us the skill sets and our business experience we had something pretty special. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, Scott, would you add to that? Yeah. Well, um, the previous business uh, I was in was sort of was catering to everyone. And that, that gets pretty hard, I think. It's when you're trying to be trying to be an expert in everything, you never end up being an expert in really anything. Yeah. And when we were working with the doctors, when I was working with Carolyn on some of her clients there and also through a finance facility that we've still got to this day, where we're, that's where a lot of those companies uh, are medico-based planning firms or accounting firms. Mm. You see, here, here's a model, here's a way to do things. Why aren't we specialising like that? Um, and then obviously it was meeting with Carol, we, we refined that a bit more how we wanted to do it. And the difference that it can make, because you've got a clear direction, you've got a clear direction on just your business model, the marketing, which segment to market to, um, how to be an expert within that area, the product and services that you can find for that area. I think it just, it just made it so glaringly obvious that, mm -hmm. hey, why are we doing like this? So I want to just touch on that because I mentioned at the beginning that one of the areas, you wouldn't think so, but one of the areas that I get pushed back most frequently from advice businesses is focusing down on a target market. And you've been in a business where it was generalist. Why yeah. do you think businesses find it so hard to, to, to adopt that sort of thinking? It's probably, it's hard to say no. It's hard to think you're going to limit your market. Yeah. You know, when you get customer through the door, you know, especially in the early days, you want to take you want to take anything you can get. Mm -hmm. It's probably it's more of a case of trying to look forward, I think, and saying, look, in three years, five years, ten years, whatever it is, well, what do we want the business to look like? And mm. what type of customers do we want to work with? What type of products and services do we want to sell, et cetera, et cetera? And I think that can help you go, well, okay, if we want to be like that, this is what we need now. And so for us, it was the Medicos because it was it was pretty clear that we had a little bit of um, knowledge in it already for a start and a bit of a background with a few other companies of how they did it. But also the, the right sort of market as far as um, they had good income growth potential. Um, you know, there was, there was lots of different products and services we could actually bring together for them. So it, it made it kind of easy to get well, worth pushing the others aside right now. Beautiful. Then... Because you know, it's like the it's like the old saying, you know, if if someone refers to you, they typically refer like for like. It's true. So if you want the good customers, they'll refer the good customers. If you start getting ordinary ones, they'll refer ordinary ones, and it's hard to get out of that cycle. People tend to hang around with people like them most yeah. of the time. And there's a there's a there's a story about that from the Planet of the Apes. I'll tell it another time. It's kind of <laughs> Um, what I'm, I'm interested in, what's a conversation that I had a while, this is two years ago, and I'm not having a crack at the, the advisor I had it with, in case they're listening. It's a younger advisor came to me and said, I want to specialize in medical professionals and lawyers. And I was like, okay, cool. How many medical professionals and lawyers do you know? None. <laughs> and I sort of said, that's a really hard place to start from. If you, your social network and your environment, you know nothing about the market. I'll, I'll direct this one at Carolyn. You were starting off from a place where you dealt with medical professionals already. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And in terms of getting uh, widening that network, I mean, what sort of strategies did you use to connect with more of them? 
Because obviously that's, that's a big part of it. If you're going to start a niche business, you need to be able to connect with them, right? Yeah. So I'll tell you what it was. So I had we had an opportunity that I had uh, put in place at the Nambour Hospital uh, where I had a great relationship with some of the staff there um, that, that were involved with medical education training. Yeah. And um, lots and lots of people organizations had the opportunity to sponsor an education training meeting right and the first uh, couple that I was invited to when I was working with another firm yeah I could see the rubbish that they were feeding these doctors. this sounds crazy right they were giving them glazed donuts and sausage rolls and these people that'll be their only opportunity to eat for probably yeah. and i just went i did a morning tea so i and i saw it was there i thought oh when we get an opportunity to do a lunch or a morning tea we're not going to bring that kind of rubbish do you know what it was it was showing that you care showing that you understand that these guys are not going to eat if they don't eat those donuts because they the canteen and everything's ages away they've got this little opportunity to walk from their ward down to do the education and then when they get back up they'll be smashed for three hours so so i just went you know what these i understand how difficult yeah this is for these guys so what we did is we catered in a very specific way for the doctors and we got noticed and it was because we care about what they're doing more than everybody else. And so people would say, oh, well, this is amazing. Where did you get this from? Or, you know, and they'd stop and talk to you. So we, I created, we created the opportunity for them for, to be noticed um, and not in an insincere way. Um, yeah. That just grew. I mean, we would have the doctors would text each other and say, well, the med's doing lunch. <laughs> <laughs> 15 people would arrive who may or may not have been supposed to attend that function. Um, yep. So we, we attracted attention of, of a simple concept that we understood what was going on for them. And it's, it's interesting because when we uh, when I do work with businesses on, on digital marketing in particular, and we've had this conversation, a lot of advice businesses will put something out that is they want to sell their thing, right? And in truth, the thing that's going to get people to pay attention has probably got nothing to do with your thing. It's just something that gets them in. And that's, that's almost like an analog version of it, which is don't, you're not trying. The thing which is going to get them in the room is the fact that it's actually it's different and it's healthy and it fulfills a need. And because they're there, there's an obligation. They're going to go, yeah, I'll stick around. And it's the opportunity. I think it's a, such a great example of it at work. Um, Scott, how about you? Yeah, as Carol was saying that I, I sort of, you forget the little things that you did at the beginning to sort of get it cracking. And Carolyn used to do all the catering initially too, so it was it was real hands on. Um, look, I, th I think it was it was that place. It was Carolyn's um, knowing those sort of important contacts initially at the hospital, and yeah. that's what started us off. So you know, pretty much we Carolyn had a, a handful of customers of doctors already when we first opened the doors, and it was really just us getting stuck in. To those the little contacts that, that Carolyn had there and just expanding that. Beautiful. And look, it didn't because we, we were both there, both hands on. Carolyn was doing the catering and that did make a make a real difference actually when you think about it. Um, and again, you know, if we looked at the, our new customers around in those days, it was, it was pretty strong. Yeah. I mean, what sort of numbers in those early days were you getting? Well, we were getting 
close on 100, 130, that sort of thing. And predominantly, were you doing your main avenue with seminars? That was pretty not so much the seminars, but more the um, like a, doing a sponsoring these sort of um, education events, and we'd we'd only get a chance to chat for two to five minutes, sort of thing, if that sometimes. So it's really we had to be really really um, careful about our message, about about our call to action from it. Make sure we get make sure we get a name and an email address and a number um, to be able to do something with. Yeah, and and repeat and repeat and repeat. Like we're on average, we're up there once a week, sort of thing. So it, it's funny when I'm talking to you about this stuff, and if you think about some of the principles that we've spoken about of digital marketing, you know, add value first, get the email, get the contact. I mean, like we've had this conversation about we just done the website thing, and we had a conversation about the number one mistake that websites make when you they don't ask for the email. So all these visitors coming through, and it's almost like running an event, spending all this money on it. And, they walk out the door and don't do anything. So the, the, I guess what I'm getting to is the principles haven't changed. It's just no. me. No, and the interesting thing is that, um, you know, look, we would have times when you might have 100 people in a foyer where you'd have to kind of, you know, hi, everybody. You know, you have to put yourself out there. You can't be, you, you really have to have that passion and energy. Mm. You've got to be very focused about, what you're doing you've got to plan what are we going to say what are we going to do what's the message how are we going to deliver that message and every time we would go you know we would do like said 50 functions every time the format was different so yep. we had to be good enough every single time to find a way to get our message across and to attract people encourage people to actually want to talk to us and you know even recently with a new hospital starting a couple of years ago the whole formats changed so oh, again, really? we had to be good enough to work our way through that and we just you know, we, we we lost a bit of traction because the hospitals yeah. spread out so there's always this you know what are we doing what do we want to say what's the purpose and you're right it was an analog version of a of a a, a digital, you know, marketing. Um, so, do it. So it's a weird thing. People sort of get scared off by by you know digital marketing and, and the technical side. But the bottom line, it's still it's human beings buying services or getting learning, getting to know people. The process is the same. Not, nothing's changed there. Yeah. Um, should we can we do a bit of a let's do a bit of a uh, a sort of sweep because I reckon in those early years you learn a lot about what worked. You probably learned a lot about what didn't work. And I reckon if there's businesses that are listening to this and they're kind of at the, at the, either in the beginning of the, the journey towards niching or, you know, at the end of, or in the middle of it, I reckon that'd be useful. So in no particular order, what were the, the mistakes you made that you learned from and what were the, the things that you, you learned, you know, did work? Scott, do you want to kick it off? Ooh. Um, I think Carolyn touched on a little bit there was that you, you had to, keep on changing things up as the environment changed, not just try and do the same old thing, you know. Yeah. Um, that that made a big difference. And even though we're talking about, when I say a big difference, lots of little big differences along the way, you know, that, that add up to the year being really successful or not. Um, I think probably when we first started hiring staff, that was a big hurdle for us because obviously that's, you know, your costs can jump 
significantly then and then all the other things that go with that with um your the um office and the requirements for all that yeah you know, once we sort of got over that first hurdle and and went from there and you again it's making sure that you get the right staff yeah so, i mean you know, it's not just the right people but it's the right the right roles that are going to help you grow along the way like one of our first um, employees was a marketing person and because we're so heavily you know it's all new it's all new business that we're getting so we're heavily reliant on getting that new business so that was really important and again then that obviously there's a whole another raft of issues there of of um all the things that we're doing with marketing that work and don't work along the way too so i'm going to write that down let's get people get people in the right roles don't just hire good people which is you know, in the early 2000s, it was all about value, you know, oh, value fit and all the rest of it. And I think what I take to you is you can have the people who are great, but if you put them in the wrong role, it's just not going to happen. You hired a marketing person first. Yeah. Let's talk about that because, you know, we're talking about, strictly speaking, you're talking about a non-income producing member of the team, strictly speaking. I want to yeah. ask, why did you do that? And how, like, was it just a standard marketing person? Or was there someone specific with a specific skill set? Yeah, so I think um, what we really wanted to do was to be able to have lots of flexibility around the material we produced. Mm. Because just to explain to you, things were changing all the time. So yep. you can't just roll out that last brochure. So yep. we, needed, we needed to be able to get our ideas down and to have them captured really succinctly and presented beautifully. Um, and and someone that we, we you know we employed somebody who had lots of skills, someone who'd already worked for a really large firm in Brisbane, not a financial planning firm, but where marketing was key in a uh, real estate, a big corporate uh, real estate on the leasing and and big building sales side. So yeah. this this person Bianca was just amazing. Like she designed designed our logo um, from the beginning. So we. Yeah, I guess we needed someone who could do a whole lot of things, but someone who could take what we said and create it. And Love she it. she could do that. Um, and, and she was fantastic. Plus, she was also very, you know, she would take all the, the lists and the people who came and create emails. And she, you know, she was able to do all the follow-up stuff as well. So often you'll get someone who's creative, but they're not always with yeah. Excel or, you know, something like that. So she had a really good range of skills. It's good. I think there's, it's interesting, having been in corporate for a long period of time, and this isn't a slight people in marketing and corporate, it's different. In, in marketing and small business, you need somebody who can not just design the brochure, do the logo, but can roll up their sleeves and, and actually, you know, just implement it and get it out there and not have to worry about perfection. And in my experience, I sort of break it into, you've got marketing people who generate leads and you've got marketing people who make things look nice, which is good skill set, but it's not necessarily the one you always need as highly in a small business. Carolyn. I think she was on the same page as us as well. So Love she really got what we were trying to do, what we were doing, um, and she often had suggestions for things. So there's many things that are around our organisation that, that have got her influence on them. So you're building this business. It's It started out with the three of you. It's starting to grow. What was the point you realised that it might be starting to, you know, grow at a rapid rate what was the point where you realized you know what this is really working it was about three years in wow 
and probably when, I don't know about Scott, but probably when I'd spent my last $1,000 of uh, family money and I was starting to go, oh, my God. <laughs> um, but, look, I think, I think one of the things we did do and we've always done is we've paid for professional services and advice. And, you know, we've had a, a corporate accountant who's helped us to navigate and, you know, structure things he's always got great advice and he's been this from the beginning um so i think um yeah i think it was about three years in when we went hey uh i think we've got this thing and you know i i recently spoke at a a, a group of young sort of future leaders for az that we we're involved with and you know there was one thing they asked us what is the one thing you would do what advice could you give a whole group of young people? And it was yep. stay still up for longer, right? Stay where you are for longer. Don't don't sort of three-year mark, we were all sort of going, wow, we've invested a lot of stuff here. You know, are we going to be able to get there? Um, and, and it just was on a roll. And it was on a roll because of everything we'd done to that time and how hard we'd worked. You know, it's none so lucky as those that work very hard, I think. <laughs> yeah, the, what is it, the harder I work, the luckier I get. What's that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Uh, Seth Godin wrote a book about it called The Dip. Have you guys seen it? Yeah. I, I remember. Yeah. Uh, so it was about maybe six or seven years ago when uh, I was in a different arrangement and things were not going as well as I'd like it to. And someone shot me that book. And I think the interesting thing about that book is it talks about the difference between knowing when you're you've got you know if you're you're going down a dead end versus knowing when this is just part of pushing through and hitting the plateau. And I found that really useful. And it sounds like you had that experience sort of about the three-year mark. What was it about, and I guess that's the important thing, how do, you know the, how do you know the difference? What was it about the path you're on that made you go, actually, no, I'm going to stay the path, even though there's you know, a 1000 bucks left in the family savings and whatever the case may be? Scott, do you want to take this one? Or? Yeah, I think, um, look, when you're... I think we were sort of at a point where actually we were, the income was coming in. Now the things were getting a little bit easier and, okay. and rolling on now, like the, the processes and the way that we were doing things were actually were working. Yep. Um, and, and you could actually, you could see that, right, we could actually, if we did this and this, it's going to just get bigger and better. Yep. You sort of, I think it was through the, you weren't fighting it and you weren't the, all that, that real initial hard work was sort of it was done. Whilst yeah. you're doing it, it was a bit more of a a bit more of a process and, and and the the referrals and everything else was coming in with it too. So it got it got all got a little bit easier. Nice. So you, you, when it starts to feel like it's a little bit easier, that's usually the time when it's starting to come together. Let's talk about from three years to now, shall we? Tell me how the business has evolved. Tell me how the offer has evolved. Tell me how the lessons you've learned in going from the point where you are sort of starting out to suddenly incomes coming in, that presumably you guys are getting busier and busier. Uh, the need for you guys to keep up with the growth is kicking in. Let's talk about that. Tiny little topic. Let's talk about how things have evolved. Has there been, let's start with that one. Have there been stages of evolution or has it just been a smooth sort of growth? Yeah, there definitely has been. So I, I think um, we have done some acquisitions. Uh, we've sort of, uh, look, we, 
On the financial planning side of the practice, uh, the, the way that we wanted to manage things for our clients specifically, we needed to have some scale. And without that scale, we would just be doing the same things that everybody else has done and our clients expect something more. They expect something different. They've got it. They do believe that they're different and they're special and they're entitled to exclusive stuff, right? So. Yep. So we didn't want to just roll out a, a sort of a stable of managed funds. You know, we had a very low fund base for a financial planning firm. We only had about 7 or $8 million under advice. Mm. Yet we were turning over, you know, millions of dollars in revenue. And so I wanted to develop something really unique that, that uh, rivaled, um, you know, the industry super fund cost base so that we could genuinely say this is a this is something you should seriously look at doing for your investments um, and it's cheaper than industry funds so right. so I kind of had this you know and for us to be able to do that we needed to have we need to have a decent fund base and yep. we needed to, so we needed to employ somebody to deal with our research and who had the the skills to help us to get this stuff off the ground. Yep. So essentially, um, one of our acquisitions we did had um, LMDA capacity, and we've since upgraded that to MDA capacity. And the staff member that we have on board has got a, a great skill set, and also the person we did the acquisition with had a you know, good investment background. So well, there were times when we understood we needed scale to, to actually move to the next phase. And, you know, we managed well before <laughs> the COVID market correction, we got up to $220 million. So in a space of three years, we went from $7 million in farm to $220 million in farm. Um, and it's a, it's a, the performance has been extraordinary, both in an increasing and a, and a decreasing market. So, yeah, we definitely uh, identified some gaps and areas where we needed to get scale in okay. order to move on. Um, do you think, maybe ask someone, Scott, do you think if you get to a certain point as an advice business that you have to make that leap into acquisition to combining in order to make it? Or do you think you can get through that organically? Um, I, well, I think there's, there's a, whether it's every business is the same or not, but it's, there's definitely um, that sort of point where you're either in that sort of, you're small and you're in that sweet spot. Yeah. You stay there or you grow... And once you start growing, you need to actually be big enough to mm. to have that scale to make it all worth it because the costs start kicking in. So you need to get past the cost stage and get that revenue up from and get those efficiencies. And um, so it's how you do that. You need to. I think you need to try and get through that phase as quickly as possible. Yeah. Or quickly can be a little bit painful. And we've we've sort of had a bit of that organically, a bit of that. Um, with some acquisitions, uh, I, you know, it's, it's a bit difficult. Like we're we're multidisciplinary, so we've got the accountancy base as well. So you know, you you grow on that, and then once you once you deal with that, you need a little bit more, you know, as far as resources to be able to to offer the service that you want to offer. Yep. Same on the finance side with the with the brokers we've got in there. Uh, as Carol was saying on the on the fun side, you know, we had a, um, a quite a pivotal conversation with with a guy we know who's he's a bit of a specialist and um, manages money for some some pretty wealthy guys. Yep. He did 
just one day, you've got to be careful here because you're going to get all your young doctors and as they grow and, and build up their assets, someone like me is just going to come and pinch them because you can't do what they'll be wanting to do then. So that was that was really key for us to go, oh, you know what, you're right there. We've actually, if we're building this thing, we've got to make sure we can offer all the stuff that they're going to want. Otherwise, we'll just lose them when, when they're at their best. You know? that's, that's, a really, that's a really good point, I guess. I, I mean, what, if what I'm hearing is right, is saying there comes a point where if your, your offer is that good, your client's needs will begin to outpace what you can offer. And it's your choice whether you decide to keep up. And if you're going to keep up, often that means you, you're going to have to turbocharge it in some way, shape or form. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's amazing what a, a, a whiskey on a Melbourne night, what little pearls of wisdom it'll give you. Uh, and, and, you know, one thing, I only need to hear something like that once and I just think that is never going to happen to us, you know. And so so then I went back and, you know, it's kind of like, Scott, what are, how are we going to do this, you know. And so we're, so we're always, that's, I think we're always asking ourselves, Yes. Can I? One of the things I want to touch on, and I'm, this has been really, I'm, I'm enjoying it. So that's uh, that's one thing. Um, multidisciplinary is such a huge part of your proposition, and having worked with you guys on the website, I know this know this really well. And it was it was there from the very beginning. It wasn't the idea that we're going to focus on. It was we're going to do as much as our clients need us to, in order to provide the outcome. Tell me why you believe so strongly that multidisciplinary. Oh, is <laughs> what? I've got a great story, and I hope I don't offend any accountants out there. But um, I, I was a business development manager for, for Queensland for for a great firm I love working with that don't exist anymore. Um, so I, one one of my planners said, "Look, I've got this great opportunity to buy into this accounting firm, and you know this could all work." And, so excited he just went off and he did it and then three years later we're just going i don't understand why you're getting less business now yeah so what we did is went you know what we are going to do it the other way around we're going to be a financial planning firm who owns an accounting firm and you know owns a broking firm and you know these people are going to come and they're going to work for the client not for their vision or this other business because if you don't have that these staff all on the same part of the same organization despite what discipline they're involved in you're never going to get an outcome that's going to work for you or most of the anyway scott you probably got some news as well. scott what's your take on it yeah, well, um, we also, from the start, Carol and I have got different skill sets. So, we, you know, you start combining that and we had quite a good array of, of the coverage already. Um, so that definitely helped. But it's, um, I think it's, it's something that we, we definitely wanted to start off with like that so that we could cover it and could look after the clients and, and keep them in, in the sort of, um, in the paddock, so to speak, you know, because otherwise you get a customer get the financial planner saying one thing, their account saying another, and mortgage broker saying another thing, and they just get so confused they end up going around circles and don't achieve much, you know? Yeah. So whereas when we can give them the clear path that's all working together, I mean, you just see the outcomes that we can get for our customers, it's pretty swift cool and it's, it's, it's really enjoyable to watch and go through that process with them. Yeah. So I mean, the gift I wanted to build on. 
But I kind of actually one thing I want to touch on and ask you about time poor. Like of all the markets that are are time poor. I mean, some people say they're time poor, but doctors, particularly young doctors, I mean, they 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 spend a lot of time doing a lot of doctory things, right? How do you manage to get engagement from people when they are as time poor as doctors are? Well, I think it's you've got to understand what's going on in their world. Mm. You've got to respond to that. And if you don't, then you're just like everybody else to them. And I'll give you an example. So, And I know there'll be advisors out there who think she's crazy. Um, you know, and, and I still do this now. If And I say to my, to my clients, if you need me and I can respond, I will respond. So I will look at my iPad, uh, you know, read my book, and at 10 o'clock at night someone's just come off shift and something's on their mind because mm. they're worrying about it and they've come home. The first thing they've done at 10 o'clock is send me an email and say, oh, I got this piece of paper the other day. I don't know what to do with it. And the fact that I would just respond and say, thanks for sending it to me, we'll mm. get to it tomorrow and I'll come back to you, it's gone out of their worry. Um, and so they don't. They don't care about you until they know how much you care about them. And so I think we've been, we are responsive and we understand that we need to work outside of normal hours for them for a period of time. Once they get through fellowship, they go to clinic a day every week. We don't have to see them evenings or Saturdays in those circumstances. But in the first five to seven years until they get through fellowship, you need to be there for them. Love it. Technology as well, right? So, text. You know, I always say to them, if you need me, text me. I'll text you back. So, you know, it's always they don't, they don't, they can't answer their phone during the day. So, if you ring them, you're not going to get anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's useful. Let's talk about technology, can we? Yeah. Because you guys are on a very very strong path towards tech, and I wouldn't mind getting your views on where it's headed. Maybe talk a bit about where you where you think it is, and just generally what you think is the power of technology when it comes to financial advice, and maybe where you think people got it wrong. Scott, do you want us to kick off? Or yeah, I'll, I'll kick off. I'll let um, Carolyn go talk about our our, our MOAS program. But um, I think tech on us, and, and obviously this um, this time from working from home is, has just shown actually how easy a lot of the communication tech can be. And there's more and more of that that we're starting to put in put into play. Um, just even you know, the, as Stu, you're always on about too. Just a little Zoom or Loom videos, um, whether it's whether it's with customers, whether it's throwing something in with a, an SOA or something that you've seen with them, just as a quick explainer. Yep. Or um, or all our background um, procedure manuals and training manuals. Yep. So there's a huge amount on that side that we're working on, and 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 I just think it's so much easier these days than than it used to be, or that you think it is. You know, once you can actually get your head around a few little things, and it doesn't have to be perfect, but just just get on with it and get it done. Yep. It's big, Carolyn. Yeah, well, I think you've got to be careful what you wish for, but I think you've got to, I think you've got to dream big. I think you've got to, you know, we went to. Uh, 
a conference and uh, it was about two years ago now and they were saying, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, robo advice and, and I'm going, I want I want two of them now. Like what are we waiting for? Let's get some of these artificial intelligent beings, you know, resident in our system. <laughs> so so we don't see that stuff as a threat at all. In fact I, I see it as a as a huge opportunity and I think that, that things are possible now that were, you know, they were never possible for small to medium-sized firms, uh, you know, maybe five five years ago, maybe even three years ago. So um, I think that unless you can really, um, as a multidiscipline firm with a, a niche market, I mean, some of the complexity complexities of the advice that we give and how we, we monitor and measure that and, and show progress to clients, there's nothing out there for us. There is nothing out there. We've been down several dark alleys. We've probably spent about 100 grand on things and had to back out of them. Yep. And some of those were sort of, you know, you know, we thought it might have been the, the magic, you know, but it's not there. So so what we're doing at the, at the moment is, and we're, we're in the sort of second phase of a four-phase project firstly we're controlling all of our data so we can use it because yep. you know you can imagine a time when you can say to your junior doctors well you know um the average wealth growth of doctors who stay with us for 10 years is uh you know 150,000 or 300,000 dollars a year and this is not theory this is experience and being delivered and this is where you are Right, you're compared to your colleagues and your peers at this time, you're a little under where you should be. These are the things that you could consider. Mm. So what it does is it, it controlling your data and then being able to use that data however you want to uh, is, is, and I don't just mean from statistics, I mean from advice. So we're just in the process of automating our review process where we can show you what 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 did we say in last year's review, what are the goals and objectives, how are we on track, and what are we going to recommend this year? So the advisor can see everything and can actually go, right, it's easy for me to give advice. It's easy, especially when it's complex. You like, you know, I'll get a client who will say to me, um, what if we did this? And I think, oh, this, you know, it could take me, I, that might at the moment take me five hours to get in a position to understand whether that whether I can give advice on that and, and it can be a good direction for them because we're going to go and get, they've got 10 loans, they've got, you know, super fun, they've got, you know, they're public and private, they've got tax liabilities. I mean, you know, so but our system's, you know, going to give that all to us. It's, I was having a conversation with a, um, the CEO of a, of, a, of a financial planning software company. I won't, I won't name him because we were, we were going off and criticizing all sorts of stuff. And he was saying, you know, sooner or later, as an industry, we've got to understand that it serves nobody purpose in order to keep all these, these, these walls of data separated. And ultimately, if we get our head around that, the point is to, to give great advice and to, you know, move into a space where people can log onto a portal and have to worry where that feed's going or that feed's going or whether that talks. That's when suddenly our industry goes from being something which is focused on, uh, you know, competing on product basis and suddenly it's all about client centricity. I, I hope we get there soon. There's enough people starting to talk about it like yourselves, but um, there's still a few gold, uh, golden calves. Yeah, whatever it's called. Sacred cows. There we go. Not golden calves. It's a different thing. I guess 
I guess what we do want to do though, like, is we control, we want to control our data and how we use it for advice. But we are, and I'm, I'm sure it's okay, but we're very, very uh, keen on my prosperity and we have our own portal yes. and that will be our clients world, uh, that we will get so, you know, live real-time information from into our own system at the end of that's phase four of our project. So, um, you know, that that's a great uh, system and yeah. we see that as being our client front-end portal that's going to do amazing things for our clients that we can't, we're not going to spend, I don't know how many millions of dollars or hundreds of millions they've spent on that. We're just going to plug that straight in. And uh, yeah, well, why not? It's the best. It's, it is the best tool on the market for what it does. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna in a second. I want to ask you. There's a question, Rachel. I'm gonna grab that one. This has been incredibly useful, and I want to. Uh, if people want to know, you know, more about the business, or if they want to sort of understand a little bit more, or maybe there's something you guys are doing that you think people might want to get involved in or talk about. Where? What's what? What do you have in store over the next few months or years? Do you want to keep going off, Scott? Uh, well, um, look, we're, we're in a position where we've got sort of, we've got three aspects to our business, Wealth Med being the um, medico side of it, Wealth yep. Prime, which is uh, non-medical professionals, and Wealth Ways, which is more the um, retirees. Um, and we've got, we've, Separate them out distinctly because with this whole specialization thing, it's want to make sure we're doing the right things for the right people. Um, however, internally, there's also there's a lot of common, there's a common sort of structure and a common mind to how everything's done there. Um, so our, our growth strategy is getting out with, with those models and actually expanding on that. And we're just working now on, on ways to be able to collaborate with other firms, particularly with the Medico side of it, you know, where we can actually um, have, have the right sort of structure where everyone can win from it and, and get their medical uh, practitioners involved in the way we're doing things. Love it. Yeah, so so I guess um, we really want to leverage our, our um, techniques and skills and knowledge. Um, and... You know, we're interested in, in working with people who are on the same page as us. I think that's something, you know, we've just enjoyed over the last 10 years is there's, there's no internal fights or struggles over, you know, how we feel about things. So we want to make sure that, you know, we partner with the right people first and foremost that have got the right sort of aspirations and the right values. And, you know, the sky's the limit because there's some, you know, nobody is doing what we're doing. There are medical professional firms out there, but they are not doing what we're doing because we're not a passive, uh, you know, player. We're an active participant in creating wealth. We make it happen for people. And the way we do that is in a very specialised way. So, we want to share that mm. uh, people who want to just take it and, and run with it there's a really interesting book it's quite old now it's called crossing the chasm which talks about marketing in a niche sense and it says that one of the things that uh the fastest way to grow is to focus down on a target market and market to them and it, there's a lot of lot of misunderstanding around niching and all the rest of it but it says at some point you as a business are going to make a call as to whether you take your model and you jump into the mainstream, we jump to other niches. And having worked with you guys for the period I have, I I think the next bit's gonna be really interesting because I think what you're building now is something that's obviously really servicing your target market, but just off slightly by, you know, 
one or two degrees or three or five degrees, there are there is so much opportunity out there. And I think my view is over the next 10 years, we're, we're going to see financial planning become something that more and more people want to access and want to use in various different guises. And I think it's businesses like yours that are just so well positioned to lead that charge. So it's, uh, it's been, it is a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Have you been finding dealing with your market, uh, medical professionals? How have you been finding dealing with medical professionals in recent times? What have been the challenges you've overcome? So I'm guessing this is about the COVID sort of period most of all. Yeah, so I think um, our clients tend to move ahead really quickly. They're you know, highly intelligent. If you put things in front of them in the right way, you give them all the information, they feel like they can make a decision. They make that decision and they move on and they expect you to handle it. And I think that uh, that their ability to make those decisions as quickly and yep. confidently uh, has been a little clouded by the external factors. I yep. think they're still confident to do those things, but just slowing a little to see if this is going to turn into a nightmare for them. Mm. Uh, and, you know, there's part history of, you know, major world pandemics that have played out in a very bad way for medical professionals. Yep. Um, but I, hopefully, you know, we've passed that point and that maybe some confidence will return. Yeah, I, that's a really good point. Scott, what's your take? Um, yeah, I think um, with our chosen specialisation with medical professionals, generally they're um, pretty um, well positioned for any economic downturns. And this is this one actually was a little bit different for some of them because with the um, elective surgery being shut down for a while there, that was that was pretty serious for some doctors. So that yeah. was um, that was a, a bit of a new thing for us, but. Um, I think also probably the on the positive side of things, this whole um, dealing with them via Zoom, um, DocuSign, all these sort of you know tech side of things has actually been working out really really well. Mm. Um, all, all the everyone's been doing the client meetings on Zoom, and, and everyone's getting pretty familiar with it. The clients are all familiar with it because they've been doing it with their families, yeah. so it's, it's been kind of an easy transition. So I think it's something going forward. We can, you know, whilst face to face is still always better. Uh, particularly for certain meetings to get certain points across or whatever it is, um, but there's certainly for that for that time conscious doctor, I think it's these sort of um, tech things will be excellent. Perfect, um, Carol. I think you've got a meeting coming up now, haven't you? Yeah, you have, guys. Um, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for your time. Any final thoughts before we go? Um, look, I would just say that. Um, you know, this is a really difficult, it's been a really difficult time for most financial planners. We've all been, we've had everything thrown at us. Um, and I think just, you know, hang on to the things that you love doing and just keep doing them. Because on the other side of this, the industry is going to be, you know, undoubtedly changed. But we've we've all got, you know, a really big role to play in that. And just, just keep doing all the good work that you're doing out there. Love it. Scott? Yeah, look, I think um, the biggest thing for us has been that we've had a clear direction. You know, we've had we've had the market, the target market, and the way we want to do things right from the beginning, and we've just we've always kept that and just moved along as how you know as as things change, and just trying to find the opportunity in every um, in every situation. I think is the way forward. Beautiful. And pay for good advice, Stu. You've been awesome. Keep, keep paying good people that can give you good advice. Thank you, Carol. It's been a pleasure. And you know um, you know how much I love this stuff. So it's kind of, it's yeah, it's 
getting the opportunity to work with you and play in the sandbox that we have <laughs> and we're continuing to. Mario, I'll see you a bit later. No, it's been fun. Guys, I know you've got to go, so thank you so much. Uh, this has been absolutely great. If you want to make contact with the guys at WealthMed, check out the website, wealthmed.com.au. Guys, thank you once again. Have a great weekend. Stay out of trouble. Uh, if you can't be good, as my dad says, if you can't be good, be careful. And I'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you. See ya. So there you have it, uh, the specialist, specialist with Carolyn and Scott. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as you can tell, uh, they both got so much energy in there and uh, the places the conversation went was, was particularly enjoyable. As always, I hope you liked it. If you like it, give us some feedback. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of, what you enjoy, uh, even if you have some fresh ideas. Uh, I've been toying around with the idea recently of recording some of my uh, group coaching sessions that I do on a Friday uh, where we kind of bandy around some ideas and, and potentially share that on some topics. So if that sounds cool to you and you'd like, there's some specific things you'd like to hear about, marketing or new client engagement or uh, systems or processes or technology, uh, let me know and I'm happy to share because... Uh, I guess the more of us that can be moving in the right place with advice right now, I think that the brighter the future gets. Uh, that's about it for me. Uh, one final thing, actually. Uh, you might have noticed that during the session, I spoke a little bit about my frustrations with uh, advisor websites and watching many, many people spend a lot of money building websites that not only don't, don't really nail the advice proposition, which is different for a whole bunch of reasons that I, I don't have time to go through right now, but also miss some really basic functionality. Uh, my view is the only purpose of a website, an advice website, is either to convert somebody who's ready to get advice or to entice somebody to give you their email address if they're not so you can start a conversation towards uh, being at a point where they're willing to accept your help. If you are either looking at building a website, you've been frustrated with things in the past or you're interested in understanding more about the way that we do it or I do it, supported by the team, which we call the WOW website formula, uh, reach out because uh, we have just completed our first website. We're building uh, two more and it's going to be something that we continue uh, and probably look to do maybe uh, if not 12 a year, then definitely sort of six to 12. Um, so if you would like some help to build a website, if you'd like to work with me to build your copy, and this is the really key thing, uh, I'm not just in the business of giving people a technical website. I want to work with you on your copy, uh, your downloadables and really now the value proposition on the front end. Drop me an email at help at odero.com.au and say I'm interested in wowing my website and uh, let's jump on a call and have a chat about it. Other than that, I hope you got a great week lined up. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Finnovator. Stay tuned for the next one coming up soon and uh, yeah, have a great week.